congratulations. Two impressive, hard-fought, any other kind of nasty adjectives you want to throw in there uh, to describe the battles you guys went through in those last two games. That was halftime of the second game, <laughs> the, the nasty adjectives. But um, thanks, everybody, for coming out tonight. And looks like we have some people having a great time. So um, let's talk some Aggie basketball. There you go. Uh, uh, it was. It was a great weekend for the Aggies. And um, two hard-fought victories. And, you know, San Diego State obviously has been a championship-level program for quite some time. And, and they have brand recognition all around the country. And they had the longest road winning streak coming into Thursday's game. And we wanted to take care of that and snap that. And I didn't realize they also had the longest um, time frame where they had not lost back-to-back -back games. And so we were able to end that on Saturday. And so... You know, you, 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 you break the, the, the nation's longest road winning streak, and now you got to turn around and play them again two days later, and you're just like, you know. But credit to our guys. We found a way to get it done. That second game, the way the format is set up, it's no matter who you're playing, it's just a hard game. Uh, two games in three days, same opponent. They know you so well. Of course, we know them really well too, um, but we're excited to pull it out. And I want to thank our fans that came to the game um, that night. Because it, you know, I, I think we let in 1,500, 1,600, but it felt like about 8,000. Yeah. I mean, it was loud in there, and you could feel that energy, and they gave us a humongous spark. Of course, there was nothing to cheer about from about the 10-minute mark to the, to the halftime mark. So, um, and I told our bench at halftime, we got to be more engaged. But then I was like, well, I don't blame you. There was nothing to cheer for. Um, but that second half, we all came together, our fans, our team, our coaches, and I thought we played a really good last 20 minutes. You start that second half on, a, I believe, a 15-2 to two run. Uh, you, you take the lead back, and then it goes back and forth. But uh, was, there any, was it just a execution? Guys just played harder and were a little bit more focused? Did you adjust a little thing, any, anything at halftime? Where did that come from? Not, I mean, honestly, not much. Uh, it was just we were – I had to – to be honest, it was the halftime speech probably wasn't as bad as you think. Yeah. Um, the time, a couple timeouts before halftime, weren't very good. Um, but you know, but like I always say, you got to speak a language you understand. Yeah. And so, halftime, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> when we went in there, I was just very matter of fact and very. We all got to look in the mirror. Da 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 da. -da. I'm not sure there was a whole lot of adjustments. To be honest, we just have to. Sometimes it's adjustments. Sometimes it's. But sometimes it's just like we got to play better, yeah. And have a mind. We couldn't even we couldn't complete a post feed. We couldn't. I mean, the one that cinched it was we have this. Well, we have quite a few plays where we have a dribble and handoff into whatever, and we're running a play and it's Raleigh and Sean, and we couldn't even complete a dribble and handoff, and it's a steal the other way. And it's like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like we can't even V cut and L cut to get open, or and it was just. So just had to reset, clear our guys' minds, you know, and then before we went on the court, we just all kind of huddled. We're all in this thing together. You know, let's, let's, let's find a way to win. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but let's find a way to win. And give a lot of credit to um, our guys for sticking together and playing Aggie basketball in that second half. Well, and it did seem like they, they knew Matt Mitchell wasn't going to go, and they had a couple guys, especially some youngsters, who really stepped up. And said, "All right, we, we don't have our our stud here. We got to cover. We got to take care of the of things." And they had, you know, they they had a couple guys. That that freshman 
has a chance to be really, really good. Well, he's going to be. And I guess the one adjustment was stop dribbling so much. Yeah. Let's yeah. pass the ball. You know, and we've always – that's kind of been a trademark, one of the trademarks, I would say. But you're right, Scotty. You know, we got off to a good start. You know, we were up, what, 9-2 to two or 9-4, to four, whatever it was. And I thought we were really sharing it, moving it. And even when we didn't score, for the most part, I thought we had clean and wide-open rhythm shots. Yeah. We just missed some of them. And um, and then we just started throwing the ball all, all over the gym. And you know what? I had a, I had a lineup that – Hasn't been very good for us out there, and that's, you know, on me that way. Um, but you have the wounded animal mentality there a little bit too. Oh, yeah. Where now all of a sudden some guy, you know, Terrell Gomez is a very good player. Yeah. And we knew, you know, Thursday night he only got three shots off. Well, now all of a sudden you got a guy that's getting 10 to 15, you know, 12 to 15 shots a game, not in the lineup. He knows he's going to get some. So he's playing a little more free. And now some of these guys – know that coach has got to play them so they're just going out and they're just playing yeah. playing with nothing to lose and then they smelled blood and then they ramped it up even more and we got on our heels obviously so uh i'm sure glad halftime wasn't you know five minutes later than it was yeah um but again we we got back into sharing the ball playing together really defended hard even the shots they hit for the most part were very tough shots and well contested and so um, anytime you can beat San Diego State, it's a good dub. And when you can do it back-to-back, uh, it's really, really good because that's, that's hard to do. Well, you talk about Gomez. The number three battles were really fun to watch because they, were, they realized they had the hot hand. They were doing everything they can could to get him open. Um, and he's running from one side of the court to the other. And you've got your number three, Ashworth, right in his back pocket the whole time. And I thought, you know, obviously he scored a bunch of points and was great from the free throw line. But I thought defensively uh, down the stretch, he was really, really good. He was really good the whole game, you know, both sides of the ball. And Steven defended Gomez very, very well in the first game. And, um, and so we were very confident in him guarding him. But, you know, they were running him off way more double and triple staggers than they did the first night. Um, and it was like, uh, have you ever seen the movie Incredibles? It was like two dashes out there running around, just pitter-patter, 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 and just everywhere. And Gomez is quick twitch and fast, and uh, and he can get separation, and Steven did a heck of a job just trailing his outside shoulder and getting through all those things. Uh, the, un- the two things we probably haven't talked enough about from those two games are how good a job that Steven and uh, Brock did guarding Shackle because – to, to be honest, Brock, we have this system that we have with our guys and we can track how much they ran during a game. And Brock ran three miles on Saturday and Steven ran 2.75. Wow. Just running off of all those. So those two did a phenomenal job and made life very, very difficult. And we didn't give them a whole lot of easy or clean looks. The ones they hit for the most part were very difficult. Yeah, because Shackle seems like a guy, once he gets into the lane, uses his uses his height to be able to elevate a little bit and really be able to get those floaters up. And he got a couple in the first half, and then you guys really kind of put the clamps down. Yeah, both him and Gomez got one clean look in the first half where it was like we didn't know who we were guarding. Yeah. And this didn't happen one time on Thursday. And the shackle at the top of the key measured up. um, um, It was Brock. Yeah. uh, Where we need to get into him and make him dribble to the shot. And then Gomez measured up Raleigh kind of right in front of our bench on that wing. And – 
But he's an ex- uh, uh, Shackles a senior, veteran, a legit 6'5", strong-bodied. And he kind of gets, when he gets into the paint off those screens, he kind of gets that spin move, and he gets a, just a little bit of a little bit of a uh, fade, and that's a hard, you know, when you get that shot down. But you know what? You're going to make some of those, but let's make you do that for 40 minutes, yep. and that's going to be hard to win games doing making those shots over and over again. Now 8-0 in conference play. You take on Colorado State, who's 7-1. Their only one loss was to that San Diego State team. Uh, and they're an interesting team, and we're going to spend some time talking about it. But, but they're not an old team, but they're an experienced team. I mean, they they played a lot, but you look down, and and uh, I mean, I don't even know if they have a senior they're playing right now. No, they don't. They don't. So I mean, that it's kind of an interesting, interesting situation where you got some experienced guys, but also some very young because they threw those freshmen to the wolves early last year. Yeah, David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens are very good players, and both those guys started every game last year, and. Uh, Roddy wasn't in the starting lineup one game this year for whatever reason, but those two are really, really good. Tanjay is a sophomore for them, and the year before that, they started two true freshmen. So they're they're in some ways they're young, but they're very experienced. And you know they won 20 games last year, and they returned four starters from that team. So they lost um, a couple, two, three seniors, I guess. So they're experienced. You know our returners have a good feel for how fast they are. They're very fast very athletic and so um you know transition defense will be a huge key to the game they shoot the three very very well i don't know how much you want me to keep talking about it, but it's all um, good i think they're they're uh, number 14 i believe or no, i think it's number 10 in the country and three point field goal percentage at 39.1 percent and they make 10 threes a game so that's a good combination 42 percent of their points come from the three-point line so a lot of that's transition, but then they run kind of a hybrid of the Princeton offense, and they they do a good job of spacing. And they're sharp with their stuff, and so you got to really be on point with how you defend them. And uh, it's always a difficult scout. I think it helps us that we played Air Force because a lot of the stuff they do, Air Force does, um, and then some. So got to be on point with our stuff, and um, and take away their three easy, no easy threes. Take a quick break. Come back. We're just getting started. It's the Coach Craig Smith Coaches Show as we are live here at Old Chicago. Big thanks to everyone who's hanging out with us here tonight. Also, big uh, shout-out to everybody who's watching on Facebook Live as well. So, with that, we'll also make sure to uh, take some questions for Coach coming up in our third segment. But coming up next, a closer look at the Rams of Colorado State on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Welcome all back. It's the Craig Smith Coaches Show from the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College, live here at Old Chicago. Big thanks to everyone here, as well as everybody watching on Facebook Live on the Utah State Athletic uh, Facebook page. Uh, I, I did hear, uh, uh, it was about a month or so ago, downloaded a podcast where you and Tim Miles uh, were chatting back and forth. And uh, it sounds like back in the day, you and, and Tim Miles and, uh, and uh, Nico yeah, Medved, now the coach at Colorado State, I mean, you're talking about going on hikes, long road trips. I mean, it, those were some crazy days back in the day. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we had a lot of fun at Colorado State for five years. Of course, Coach Miles uh, is my mentor, and I, I was his assistant for 11 years at four different spots. And, uh, uh, yeah, and there, so there was a lot of great memories. And our five, 
you know, at Colorado State, we had five great years together. And I, when I say great, we had a lot of memories. And for a couple of those years, because there weren't a lot of good memories on the floor uh, necessarily. Our, you know, our first year at Colorado State, we won seven games all year, 0-16 in the Mountain West. Wow. And we, won, we actually won the top of the world um, tournament in Fairbanks, Alaska. And we won three games in four days. And we started out the year four and two. So do the math. We won seven all year. Our seventh win, at that time, there was nine teams in the Mountain West. Utah was still in the Mountain West. BYU was in the Mountain West. TCU was in the Mountain West. Um, so anyway, the 8-9 game, it was the play-in game, right? Yeah. One through seven were in. 8-9, if you win the 8-9 game, you get to play the one seed. So the 8-9 game, we're 0-16 in the league. We played Wyoming. We won that game. That was our first win of 2000-whatever it was. I don't know what year it was. 2007-8. Okay. 2008, we literally felt like we just won the conference championship. You know what I mean? It's like, let's yeah. cut down the nets. We won a game in 2008. And so, um, and then we just got destroyed the next night by BYU. But um, then the next year, we won four conference games and I think nine all year. And then the third year, we were tolerable. We were 500. Then the fourth year we got to the NIT, yeah. and then the fifth year we made the NCAA tournament. So it was uh, it was fun to be able to build that thing up, coach some great kids, and um, with Coach Miles and Nico, uh, we had some great memories at Colorado State in Fort Collins. It, does it still seem a little weird when you when you go out there and play? Yeah, it's it's um, it's just different. And, yeah. and honestly, um, even being at Utah, like coming to Utah State. And being a, a member of the Mountain West, I just have such great memories of the Mountain West, and I have tremendous feelings towards the Mountain West Conference. And um, and then being named the head coach at Utah State, now you're a head coach at, in the Mountain West Conference. And then even when we won the regular season title, yeah. we won it at Colorado State. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and you're Mountain West champs. And I'm just like, like, is this really happening? <laughs> and then we won the tournament. And you're just like, am I dreaming? You know, like I can't believe we had, we we did it, and so um, it's amazing how your life can go full circle that way. So when you uh, the first couple of years where you played Colorado State, uh, they've had a big. It's been great. You know, uh, Nico Carvacho was a really really good player for him. Um, he's gone, and now there's not a lot of that big. You know, six eleven, six ten guy that 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 plays a ton of minutes for him. Uh, they're a smaller unit. Do you still just kind of roll out your guys and say, hey, this is our lineup, let's go, or do you adjust a little bit to match their size? Well, every game you got to be ready to adapt and adjust, and I think you saw that the other, specifically the second half against San Diego State. But, you know, Carvacho is a heck of a player, one of the best players in Mountain West history. Um, but they're just different. It's like yeah. every year, right? I mean, Sam was one of the, is one of the best players in Mountain West history. So every team on a given year is a different team. And so – Carvacho did some great things with rebounding and scoring inside, but now they're five men. They're just different. They're better passers. They're better shooters, right? They're better ball handlers. So you adjust to your personnel, and they play a little bit differently. And in some ways, they put more pressure on you because of their skill set. With um, James Moore's in number ten, who's a redshirt freshman, and um, and they play Roddy at the five now, yeah. and uh, and Deshaun Thomas is a skilled guy that can shoot threes. So all their five shoot threes. So so it's just a different type of team, and they have some different versatility 
um, in that respect. And in a lot of ways, their fives now make their guards even better players yeah. because there's more space on the floor. According to Ken Palm, 41% of their point production comes from beyond the three-point line. So it's, I lied. I said 42%. Well, no, I think I rounded up. Well, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't even hear you mention that. Sorry. Well, uh, like, like my wife, just tune me out. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. With that said, We're though, supposed to be working together, Scotty. Let's go. It's on me. That's my bad. With that said, did they – I think everybody's tuned us out, by the way, right I, now. Everyone's just eating uh, it's a, drinking. It's, you got a poker game going on right there. looking at the poker game. So it's like, ah, uh, enough of these loudmouths. Do they – I mean, not all threes are created equal. Is there – I mean, they take them early in transition, uh, in fast break, you know, out of the post, all different kinds of ways. All of the above. I mean, certainly transition's a big one. If they get steals and they have one, they'll take it. Um uh, and then a byproduct of their offense, of course, with, I mean, they, they do a great job of spacing, and um, they're a good passing team. You know, we come from kind of the same cloth that way. We're always emphasizing passing yeah. uh, instead of overhandling. But they got good playmaking. I mean, Isaiah Stevens puts a lot of pressure on you. He's so quick, quick twitch, quick burst. He's super explosive. I mean, he was a, the freshman of the year in the conference last year, preseason first-team all-league guy. Um, playing the point, but he scores at all three levels. And Roddy, at the four of the five, is a playmaker. Uh, he can shoot. He's become a much better shooter this year. Just look at those numbers. But yet he posts up, and he can drive it to either hand. And he was a high school quarterback, you know, at six six five yeah. six six two fifty. So he's got great vision. Some Big um, Ten schools wanted him to play football. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He could have went about anywhere in football. Yeah. And uh, and he had a lot. He had quite a few high major offers in basketball too. So, and then they sprinkle them in with a lot of guys that can really shoot it. And, and, um, and like I said, they have a lot, they have good decision-making that way. And so you got it with the Princeton offense. You just got to really be on point with, with your spacing and where you're at and understanding when you need to help and when you just need to not get carried away and overzealous, uh, because that'll lead to some easy standstill threes. And, San Diego State's certainly different than Colorado State, but that was a big key to beating San Diego State, we thought, was take them out of transition because they get loose and, and now they just start spotting up and it's whap, whap, whap. And so in Colorado State, when they beat San Diego State, they went on a, a 19-0 run and a 14-0 run yeah. to win by one. Uh, well, maybe it ended up being three, but um, – um, and so we got to work cut out on, for us, but we're going to have to do a great job with our communication and taking away easy rhythm threes. Uh, I didn't necessarily see this the case against uh, San Diego State, but maybe you did. Uh, and with a team like this, sometimes do you sacrifice potential offensive rebounding to make sure you get guys back? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of a you got to make some decisions throughout the game. You know, last year when we lost at San Diego State, we sent three to the offensive boards. They started hurting us in transition. We were way too late to improvise and, and send three guys back, and it yeah. cost us the game. We're in the title game. We sent three back and just made them beat us in the half court. So, you know, we, we're big believers in getting to the offensive boards. Kata and Bean, obviously, are yeah. really, really good. Fonz had two huge ones in that second half the other night. Um, and so when you get that third guy in the glass, that can really open up some lanes for 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 being in Cato because yep. now they got to check out another guy and so um so we're looking at <laughs> we've worked on both um yesterday and today you know uh oh 
I don't know where Ajay is, but uh, we're losing gear over here on the side. Um, when you, uh, you know, Ashworth, Ashworth's a good rebounder. He is. You know, and so that's a guy. There was a guy, and uh, there was a guy who played here uh, about ten years ago named Jared Quell, who was a yeah. really good offensive rebound or defensive rebound guard. And and Ashworth's got a little bit of that in him. Yeah, well, I mean, Steven's got a nose for the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, Steven and Raleigh are two very good rebounders. Um, I, in a lot of ways, I'd love to send those guys to the offensive boards, which yeah. I know might sound a little crazy, but they're just so instinctive and they read the ball. Yep. And they're just natural. And they're and, and they, they got great out well. burst. Yeah. Yes. Steven in the first game made a couple had a couple big defensive rebounds, where where it looked like our bigger guy was gonna was getting wiped out of the play and out of nowhere there's Ashworth just yep. attacking that thing with two hands and we do emphasize a lot our guard when you you're playing a team that's a good offensive rebounding team your guards got a rebound for you i think that's what the best rebounding teams do everyone always thinks of the front line but their guards become good rebounders i know i know i've asked you this before in the past but is this do you always kind of scoreboard watch or do you start to do it more as the season goes on at all or or do you just say, hey, look, I'll play him when I play him, and we'll go from there? I've done um, less scoreboard watching this year than any year. Okay. And I don't know if it's because of our slow start. <laughs> so you just didn't want to, you know, didn't even want to look at the score like, oh, damn, how did they win? Like, we can't win a damn game. But um, but the other part of it is I think just with the unbalanced schedule and COVID, and this, this game canceled and that game canceled. But I think the biggest factor, Scotty, is – just with so many new guys and in our young guys i got enough crap to work worry about it doesn't matter what this team does or that team i have no control over that we have no control over that and and i know that's not like it's an abnormal answer for a coach to say that probably um, because most places i've been and even when i was a lot younger you you're really paying attention it doesn't matter all that matters is our team let's play the best that we can be and then prepare like we need to for the next opponent. So I've done very, very little of that. The other thing that's interesting with this scheduling setup, seen way less of other teams in our league. So, um, you know, when you're alternating all the time and you're getting ready for for Colorado State, well, they might have already played San Jose and whatever. All, so you see all the teams. That's a good point. And now you're only seeing – yeah, there's not a lot of crossover. No. Yeah, it's a good so point. It's been very different. So, like, to start the year, we opened up with San Jose Air Force, right? San Jose Air Force, New Mexico. Well, uh, Boise played Air Force in San Jose right away. Nevada, we've seen a ton. Nevada opened up with um, Air Force. So, we saw both those games. Then they yep. played New Mexico. So, right before we played Air Force, Air Force played Nevada. Right before we played New Mexico, New Mexico played Nevada. So I feel like I know San Nevada Diego really State well. Played Nevada. San Diego State, right before we played San Diego, yeah. they played Nevada. So I feel like I know Nevada inside out and backwards. But I haven't seen – well, I did see Fresno play one game. Yeah. But I haven't seen I haven't seen Wyoming play a game yeah. yet. It, so it's been just kind of bizarre. And you won't see Nevada until late February. Yeah, I think it's yeah. the last series, isn't it? Aren't they uh, second last? to last game. Oh, okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, I'm looking at uh, Colorado State schedule. I don't. I honestly, I don't know who we play. Yeah, Nevada. You're right. Last. I, I know Nevada's yep. last, and I know after Colorado State we play UNLV, and I couldn't tell you the order after that. Yep. So that's where I'm at. Like I got enough to to worry about. Um, yeah. 
So. Well, enough of my questions. If you got a question for Coach, uh, you have a chance to ask him coming up next. Also, Raleigh Wooster will join us for our final segment as well as you are listening to the Craig Smith Coaching Show live here at Old Chicago from Learfield IMG College. Welcome on in. You're listening to the Craig Smith Coaches Show. It's your chance to ask questions for Coach. If you got something, just raise your hand, and uh, and uh, Ajay will run the mic out to you. We'd love to be able to hear from you uh, and let your thoughts be heard. And enough of me asking dopey questions. Uh, I was just telling you during the break. Uh, last year was, and and frankly, during the Craig Smith era over the last two years, there's been so many great games. You know, the home game against Nevada, uh, San Diego State in the tournament. Uh, one of my dark horses for favorite wins in your two years at Utah State was going on the road to Colorado State last year. Well, yeah, that was a heck of a game, and obviously they were good last year winning 20 games, and, um, you know, we were just kind of – that kind of ignited our our, – our, I mean, we beat UNLV at home, if yeah. I remember right, and then going on the road there, and that's a tough place to play, and they were celebrating their Colorado – their state of Colorado night, and they had their white with blue trim uniforms, and everyone was decked out in blue, and – Came down to the wire and made a couple of huge plays uh, down the stretch. And Sam with a big three. Sam made a huge three at the top of the key. I watched the last. I watched that game tonight, but I watched the last four minutes earlier. Um, we made a couple of mistakes. This Thistlewood hit a huge three where Diogo. I, I mean, made one of those rare mistakes which he usually does not do. And but we were able to survive. And I think that's what good teams do. You you just find a way to win. And to Colorado State's credit, they've had some nail biters here with with UNLV twice and with San Diego State and they found a way to win those games and you got to find a way to win those close games like that because they start stacking up and we won that game and then we went on a one I think our next four or five and then had to hiccup in it against New Mexico and then obviously we're able to uh, win the conference tournament so it's gonna be a heck of a game they're a very good team uh, but that was that was a great uh, a very good W for us let's uh let's go out and get a question go ahead sir you're up I, just I was waiting. Comment. I was waiting. I knew it was coming. Just a comment. I appreciate the coaching of the last game because to see Stephen Ashworth come in, he doesn't play a lot, but he played a lot of minutes. <clears throat> and then when Kata went down, to see Alfonso come in and take over, it was awesome. Well, so, good coaching. <laughs> well, thank you. It's good. We always say you, like, you, you got to have coaching, and coaching is lose a lot of games, but players win games. And the coaches, you, you do your best to put them in the right position and motivate and unite and do all that. But, you know, those guys are out there putting the ball in the hole. Those guys are out there making those decisions. Those guys are, guys are out there making the box out and then using their athleticism to go get the ball. And, and Steven's been playing a lot. I mean, Steven's been going like this. He's a good player. And Fonz has had – Two really good practices, or not two. He's been really good in practice the last couple of weeks, and it's showing on the floor. He had, a, I thought he had played two very good games at New Mexico, uh, and he played two very good games uh, against San Diego State. Really sparked us. Um, our bench really sparked us late, the last three and a half minutes to close out the first half on game number one, and then Fonz was really good. I thought, yeah, uh, the other night on both ends of the floor. And, we haven't played much small ball, 
with him at the five, but it's something we know how to do. And uh, he came up huge for us. Another question over here to this young man. Go ahead. Uh, are you a Tom Brady fan? Uh, I thought so. Okay. What are the biggest challenges your team faced during COVID-19? That is a great question. Um, I'm not sure where to start (laughs) or where to end, quite frankly. Uh, Of course, where to end has always been an issue with me. Um, You know what? It's just I feel for our players. You know, you always want the safety and well-being of everybody. But just the things that our guys have had to go through from a testing standpoint, um, really having to be careful about who they're around, not who they're around, but just being mindful of big crowds and being smart and just all that stuff. Because, you know, if, if somebody tests positive, if one of our guys or our coaches tests positive for COVID, they have to sit out at a minimum 10 days. But if their roommate tests positive, whether it's a teammate or not, they have to sit out 14 days. So here you have all these guys that are lifting weights and conditioning and all this practice time and all this, everything that goes into being a player, and now you have a direct contact with someone that has COVID, they have to sit out for 14 days. They might be asymptomatic. They might not have a symptom. doesn't matter. We've had one guy on our team that has literally had to quarantine for 59 days since June 15th. That's two months if you do the math. So you think about that. I've, I have such empathy for them because it's out of his their control. you know. And so what do you do? What do you do? So you just got to really make sure we're all above what, you know, communicating, how's our mental health, just all just really paying attention to what's going on. And, you know, we still test three times a week. And every time you go to that email, you find out, are you positive or negative? And I can speak for experience because I tested positive. I had to miss two games in 10 days. And then we got put on uh, quarantine or shut yep. down for another week. So we missed two games. and So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, but every school goes through that. And some of these guys, once they get, you know, you start testing, you just never know when you're going to be playing or not playing. Never going to know if you're going to be shut down or not. In the decisions, it affects not just one person. It affects your whole program. Look at our women's team. Our women's team has played only half of their conference games. Yeah. You know, and so that's a tough deal. You know, and that and that's the thing. They're, and that's just controlling you. Yeah. Your opponent, I mean, you can lose a game and do everything right and everybody's healthy and ready to go, but if your opponent misses a game or has some issues, then boom, you're done there too. It, it's exactly right. And so you – I know for myself, I wore a mask everywhere. I literally – the only places I were at was, was the gym – in my house. I didn't go through a drive-thru. I didn't go to a restaurant. I went nowhere. And I got it. So what do you do? <laughs> you know, like you can, it's just, we all have experienced this for 10 months now. So we all get the drift. But it's a tough, that's a great question, young man. Go Bucks. There you go. Mike Evans. I recruited Mike Evans. Really? Absolutely. I can tell you great stories. He actually made an official visit to us at Colorado State. His best friend is Tran Petaway, who who I recruited to uh, Nebraska, and and uh, anyway, great guy, heck of a heck of a receiver, and he's a really good receiver. True what? story. He didn't play high school football until his senior year. No kidding. So I was recruiting him. He's like, Coach, I'm not sure I'm going to play basketball. I think I'm going to go for football my senior year. I'm like, Why would you do that? You never played. He goes, Coach, I think I can play in the NFL. I looked at him. I was like, I think you might be right. Because <laughs> that guy's an Adonis. Like he is. Just, oh yeah. Pluck. 
He doesn't look like me or you, Scotty G. Nope. nope. All right, one more. Go ahead. I'll say my question is, do you coach – when you're coaching, one thing I've noticed about the, the players is they – represent Utah State very well on and off the court, but especially if they win or they lose. It's never they rub it in the other team's face. They're very respectful of it. And I just wonder, is that something you're teaching or do we need to thank somebody else? Because I really do, example is the BYU game. BYU. Yeah, I know. Okay. But our guys, <laughs> our guys on and off the court is, were absolutely wonderful. Even though it was a hard loss for them, they still were super respectful. And then even on social media and all of that, they were very respectful. And so I, I just wonder if that's something that's coming from the coaching staff. Is that something from just from them, their personalities? Or is that something you actually look for when you're hiring or recruiting, recruiting. these young men? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. And, and it's great to hear that because we try to operate our program in a first-class fashion and all we do. We know that none of us are perfect. You know, we as coaches make mistakes, players make mistakes off the court, on the court, but we always understand that it's not about us and that we are a direct reflection of our community in Cache Valley, in our state, and certainly Utah State University, and everybody that's affiliated with it, with our fan base and everything. We talk about that without being over the top. We also try to recruit to that. You know, um, I... My family and I, we love Cache Valley and love Utah State with everything we've got. And, and we got to recruit guys that are going to be set up for success here because it's not for everybody. Just like, you know, L.A. is not the place for me. You know what I mean? That's no offense to L.A. or New York City is not for me. So you got to understand who you are and what you are as a community, as a basketball program, who fits our style of play, who fits our culture and what we believe in as young men in our program, uh, life's too short. And, and, you know, over the year, you coach for 25 years, you see a lot of stuff. And, you know, I was a 31-year-old head coach, and we had a ton of success for three years. Our third year, we played in the national championship game, then got hired at South Dakota. And we went through some things where, you know, after nothing crazy or major, but I just remember that I tell my wife, like, we have four young kids. Well, now one's a sophomore in college. At that time, he's an eighth grader. And it just was like our recruiting model is like, I want guys that my kids can look up to with great pride, like, you know, and be proud that your dad is coaching that player or person. And I want guys that our community can be proud of. And I'm not trying to get on the soapbox, but there's a, cliche, or, uh, a quote I saw, and I say this to our guys, we want – young men in our program that an 85-year-old man could remember great, with great pride he once was. And what a five-year-old or this young man right here, or these young kids here look up to and aspire to become. And so I don't like, – but I get fired up about this stuff. Like I believe in this. Like they – we just talked to our guys the other day about um, understanding when young guys are in your program or kids – they look up to you like you don't ever screw up. They, they, in everything you do or say, that registers, Dad, Nimi said this, Justin Bean did this, Stephen Ashworth did this. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that, in their role models and what they do. And so we want our guys to be people that our community, our community can be proud of. Wow. Thank you for saying that. I, 
All right, with that, let's bring in one of those guys that's uh, new to the program and has had a huge impact on Utah State in year number one, Raleigh Wooster. Kind enough to hang out with us. Raleigh, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, it's good to catch up with you. First off, let's talk about your path uh, that took you here to Utah State and what was it about this program and what was it about this coaching staff that said, that's where I want to play college basketball? Um, well, I just think uh, my visit here was super fun. Um, and just, you know, being around the coaches and the players, I felt like it was a it's like they make you feel like a family here. Um, I think that is what really sold it for me. Obviously, the success on the basketball court uh, for the years before and all that is great. Uh, but just the feel off the court of how the coaches treat you and how well everyone gets along um, and genuinely care about you on and off the floor really just uh, made it feel like home here at Utah State. You know what's what's really impressive to see your development and, and who you are as a player is is the immediate impact that you've had on this team. But, you know, when I've asked Coach about you many times, he's always said, this guy just wants to win. He doesn't care how we get there. He doesn't care how many points he scores. He just wants to win. Where does that come from? Does that come from mom and dad or, or, or the way you were raised or just your DNA? What's, where, where did that philosophy come from? Um, I'd say combination of everything. Uh, I just think the biggest thing, though, is I'm really competitive and love to win, so – uh, no matter like what the case is, as long as you win, that's the ultimate outcome that you want um, and the, the goal for the team, you know. And uh, I think that individual success and team success uh, combine together just with playing the right way and handling things the right way. Uh, so, like, I just feel like you don't go seek uh, individual things or uh, stuff for yourself and you just play for the team and to win and all that can come along with it uh, as time goes on. Coach, when you're recruiting him, what was more fun to watch, him playing basketball or him playing football? <laughs> well, I love football. I know. Uh, yeah. So I went and watched, of course, you know, of course the basketball thing, but I will say this. When I went up to Missoula um, to visit Raleigh and his family and um, do that whole thing, you know, I saw him practicing football, and I've said this before, he literally – Gets behind the center, and he's going back, and he just chucks that thing literally like 65 yards, 60 to 65 yards on the flick of the wrist. And I'm looking at him like, are you kidding me? And this is a little crazy. And at Raleigh, I'm going to try to be short. But I've seen – I've always loved football. The two – Jordan Love, and I'm not saying Raleigh's Jordan Love, but, like, you watch Jordan Love throw it. It's like he just flicks his wrist, and that thing is just boom. And I saw the Packers play the Chiefs on Monday Night Football – with Eric Peterson one one time Monday night, and Aaron Rodgers, we had really good seats, and Aaron Rodgers rolls out and just snaps his wrist, and that thing's just whoa, and I'm like, you can't do that, I can't do that, you can't do that, you, we'd have to wind up as hard as we could to just, and Raleigh just goes boop, and that thing's sixty yards, and I'm just like, this is insane. We got to keep him away from the football coaches. Well, you know that Raleigh, how much did how much did uh, playing football? Uh, help you in your basketball career? I helped a ton, you know, just with the physical side of things, you know, the contact and uh, seeking contact can uh, help on, in both sports. But I just think overall athletically, uh, you know, it helped with my speed, uh, being able to get faster on and off, off the court and football field, I think just really helped me 
uh, throughout my high school career uh, to get to where I am now. Um, and I would just say that both sports kind of complement each other, so it definitely had an effect, a good uh, and positive effect on me for sure. When, uh, when Coach told you, hey, we need you to start for us, uh, I mean, you're just a biscuit toss out of high school at that point. Uh, what was that conversation like for you and, and that level of responsibility to, to be a starter as a true freshman? What's that like? Uh, yeah, you know, I would just say that uh, I believe in myself, and it helps to have coaches and teammates and family that believes in me as well all the way. Um, and just to get the reassurance that you're believed in and to have confidence and everyone has confidence in you really helps. So I didn't really uh, overthink it or think twice about it. Um, and I just, like, through all the hard work throughout the years and stuff, it felt good to get that position, but also just to keep working hard every day to keep it and just uh, be better for our team in whichever way I can. What's the biggest adjustment been for you? Is it the speed of the game? Is it the, the physicality? What's been – you know, two or three of the things that's been like, wow, this is this is eye-opening. Yeah, I would say first coming in, the speed of the game for sure, just the pace, uh, getting used to that, and then the size. You know, there's a huge size difference, especially coming from Montana where there's not a ton of big guys. Um, I think that was one of the biggest things, but we have great big guys on our team and uh, a lot of athleticism throughout our roster. So definitely in the summer and right before the season started, just being able to compete with our guys really helped me get used to the flow of the game and uh, what college basketball is like. You know, you uh, it's one thing to start a true freshman at guard and then to do it against VCU, uh, who's one of the most attacking teams of all of college basketball, and then find out he's going to be playing VCU in, in about 24 hours. What was that like? Uh well, I never thought twice about it with Raleigh uh, from that respect. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not sure we set our guys up for success the way we needed to that game um, against the press. Uh, you know, and, the, and you know, uh, like I told the guy, getting ready for New Mexico, because New Mexico is pressing, all, and we've seen that for two years. Yeah. And we, sh- we re-showed those clips, and like I told our players, I said, this is bad coaching. You know, we didn't get you guys in the right spots to be successful against them, and and we sure did the next time around. And so Raleigh's a quick learner. Um, I wasn't – I mean, you're always concerned about it because that's their style of play, yeah. the catastrophic turnovers. But, um, you know, with Raleigh, it, I, like I've said many times, specifically to Raleigh, um, just sometimes I have to kind of remember that he's still a true freshman. You know, and I told him that the other night, you know, after the game. Um, so we have ultimate faith in, in Raleigh. Our team has ultimate faith in him. And, we're sure excited about um, being able to coach him for four and a half more seasons. So, uh, Raleigh, you don't need to go X's and O's on me because, or too much X's and O's, because I don't want Coach to get upset with either you or me. Please don't, Raleigh, because uh, I don't want to look. I don't want. I want you to, like, I know you're going to make me look bad if you do that. All I want is your basic <laughs> keys. Your basic keys. What do you guys need to do against Colorado State to uh, try to keep this winning streak going? I think we need to play our game. You know, when we stick to what we do as a team um, and how we have found success so far this season, that's when we excel on the court um, and ultimately win games. Uh, keeping that very brief, but uh, yeah, I just think that's the that's biggest a great thing. Answer. You know, just stick to what, yeah, stick to what we do, uh, especially defensively and offensively uh, with ball movement and stuff. And uh, I just think 
uh, we can compete with anybody any day as long as we do that. No doubt. Raleigh, man, we appreciate it. Look forward to more of these conversations down the line. Thanks so much for your time. Great job, Raleigh. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. There's Raleigh Wooster. Hey, he doesn't uh, – that's not an interview you normally have with an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old, however old he is. He did a great job. And, and Raleigh's um, – he's a bright young man. He's a competitor. He loves to play. Um, I've had to tell him multiple times this year, Raleigh, tomorrow just take the day off. Get out of the gym. Do not come in the gym. Just give your body a break. I know maybe coaches shouldn't tell players that, but – it's a long, when you're a freshman and you've never been through the grind of a six-month season and go, 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 like it can, it can sneak up on you quick. I remember telling a player of ours at Nebraska, Tram Petaway, that because he was the same mentality, hard charging, always in the gym, loved to compete, loved to play. And um, by early February, Tram was like, Coach, I should have listened to you because he was shot. Like he was really beat up. And so – you know, the other thing I'll say about Raleigh is some guys love their workout guys. Yeah. They love to go work out. You know what I mean? Raleigh loves to work out, but Raleigh loves to compete. So, like, you're seeing more and more guys that they love to be in the gym working out with a coach or a trainer, but then you throw another guy on them and play one-on-one, or now you play five-on-five, and the going gets tough, and they kind of like, eh, let me just work out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Raleigh just wants to compete, you know? And we got a lot of guys like that that just love to compete. Ashworth, talking about freshmen, Ashworth's like that. You guys haven't seen Max. Max Shugo had a, a phenomenal practice today. Like, he just keeps going like this. Now, he hasn't seen the floor a whole lot, but that kid's going to be a player. Zapala is going to be a player. Guys that love to compete and just give everything they got. It's just they're a little bit behind some guys right now, but – it's an exciting future coming up for the Aggies. Well, game's coming up tomorrow and uh, coming up on uh, Thursday as well. It's an interesting Tuesday-Thursday uh, matchups of games. And then uh, then we hit the road in Vegas coming up on uh, on Monday, Wednesday of next week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, we're in a brutal stretch here. You, you get off two emotional wins. It was an emotional week weekend. And, and now you gotta, you, you got to have a short memory, man. If what, you did to, if what you did yesterday is a big deal, you haven't done much today. And we got our work cut out for us, and we're going to have to play very good basketball uh, tomorrow night. Remember, game. Uh, enjoy the games coming up Tuesday and Thursday. Big thanks to uh, Craig Smith as well as Raleigh Wooster. That's your Craig Smith Coaches Show live here at Old Chicago from Learfield IMG College. Go Aggies!